This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, elegant listeners, and welcome to Go! My favorite sports team, your favorite sports podcast, the best podcast that you've ever done listen to about sports. I'm Tyler Shad, your master of balls and holes, joined by the illustrious, the ever handsome and elegant Markiplier. Hi. And today, we're going flying. Mark, you ready to fly? Sure. Am I a baby? Uh, you maybe. Could be. Could happen. All right, I'm flying out the womb. <laughs> Wait, point me towards the cliff's edge. <laughs> Push. Actually, isn't the hospital? No, you... not actually. What no, are you no, possibly no, no. thinking of? No, <laughs> what in this scenario? There's no actually no, here. No, no. What are you talking no, no. about? Is the hospital you were born at like near, like on top of a mountain, like near a cliff's edge? Like it could have happened? No, it couldn't have happened. Because number one, I'm in a building, and number two, uh, no. <laughs> What if you're on the top floor? It's like water births. I don't think there's such a thing as cliff births. Cliff births. You can Google it all you want. You'll find something, but it won't be what you're looking for. Oh, I just found Cliff Robertson's birthday. Oh, that's so nice. Anyway, uh, how are you today, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. Making good progress on things in the movie world. Um, you know, it's uh, it's really come a long way, and I'm glad to be not uh, rushing and behind schedule and actually able to keep up with some of my channel stuff again, which is very nice. That's great. That's great. I saw, uh, I saw you posted a video recently, which was cool. Mm-hmm. I meant to get another one up today, um, but I was just like, had to sprint this morning to do a little bit of a finish, and then I'm actually going to just like relax today. So tomorrow, tomorrow it'll be tomorrow. there and back on schedule. Tomorrow is a good day. It's a new day, you could say. Yes. So, uh, I mean, this is usually when you like take over and like accost me or something. So I'm trying to leave the floor open for you. So, nope. There's nothing. What do you mean there's nothing? There's nothing. Are you saying I'm perfect? I mean, that's what the people are saying, apparently, because there's no new jacuzzis. Wow. Incredible. Well, I know I'm not perfect, but I appreciate the compliment of nobody accosting me today. Well, I mean, legally, you've been declared as perfect by the people. Really? Yes. Hmm? 
So there's nothing anyone can do or say otherwise, but uh, because you have not done any jacuzzes, um, Tyler is now perfect, and he will let that go to his head, and there's nothing we can do about it. And no no jacuzzes in the future could ever break him down again. Perfect, perfect. I'm flying. And it has nothing to do with the fact that we just recorded an episode like yesterday or something, and there hasn't been like more than a day. Uh, people haven't even heard a new episode come in between the last time that we read the jacuzzes and now. No! That has nothing to do with nothing. that. You guys at home should have known that we were going to record an episode so soon after the other one and not been between episodes. How dare you? In all fairness, new people should be coming and listening to the podcast every single day and listening to older episodes. So they could be jacuzzing from other episodes besides the one that just came out. You're so right, bestie. You're so right. Thanks. Thanks. I'm flying high today. You know, I'm flying high today because today I can tell. we talk about paragliding. Mm-hmm. The sport I got to adventure on with my brother, who is a professional paraglider. Wow. He competes and wins. I didn't know there were competitions. Yeah, there's like hike and fly competitions. There's a few different categories, but hike and fly is one of them. And that's the one my brother competed in. He competed in the Red Walk, uh, the, the Wed Walks, the Wed Walks Open that just happened recently. But there are a few other paragliding things that are going on in the world. And I forgot to pull it up because I was busy trying to think of other things. Way to go, numbnuts. Seems like you're not so perfect after all. Never would ever claim I was perfect. I'm the perfect version of myself today. That's, That's what I will say. Oh, that's so nice and positive, but I don't care. All right. So the FAI World Advanced Aerobatic Championships in Las Vegas are taking place right now when this episode comes out. Mm. Um, well, that's great. So that's the major thing that happens. There's an FAI World Gliding Championship in Australia in December, as well as the European Championships for indoor model aircraft. What? Yeah. What indoor? Wait, what? It's FAI, so it covers like stuff outside of paragliding. Oh, sure. Because that's not confusing at all. Hey, but the the... The Paragliding World Championships took place in May through uh, June 3rd of this year uh, in the Swiss Alps. Ah, okay. So. Okay. But anyway. All right. Mark, have you ever wanted to fly? Feel free, flowing through the air? Maybe have a superpower, become Superman? I've flown so much this year. I have flown so much this year that I am almost diamond medallion status. Oh, my God. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, but that's in an airplane. Yeah, it's still flying. Yeah, but I'm talking about flying free in the open air. Man, I I never want to dismiss, like, plane flying. People get so used to it, but even now, if I get a window seat and I look out that window, I sometimes still am just staring at the Vista and just being like, holy shit, I am literally flying. My ancestors would probably give anything to experience something like this. And it's become trivial, and people complain about it. I like it. I I personally always get a window seat, so. Yeah. But uh, the FAA, while it regulates airplanes and the aircraft that you ride in regularly for transportation, they are also the regulatory body for all aircraft, including paragliders. And you have to follow FAA regulations while paragliding. That is interesting. But Mark, you haven't had the desire to be at like plane altitude gasping for oxygen. So you suck on your oxygen pack and you're really cold in the wind. Nope, never done that. Never had a desire to. That's what paragliders do, at least at the professional level. They get up to 18,000 feet. Good. Which you need oxygen for. 18,000 is very high. 
Isn't Everest like 22,000 feet? Something like that, yeah. That's too high. No. That's the, depending on the area that you're in, that is the ceiling for paragliding. Uh-huh. Different areas have different ceilings and rules because depending on how much air traffic they get and things along those lines. Okay. But usually around the mountains, when you're near tall mountains, the ceiling's a little bit higher because aircraft have to meet a minimum distance from the peak of the mountains. Fun fact, the more you know. I don't know if that's too fun. That seems scary. I don't think it's scary. I think it's fine. Mm. You know, my brother's only had like a couple close encounters with an aircraft. It's fine. Mm. Anyway, uh, paragliding is a recreational activity as well as a competitive sport, like I said before, where you are launched off the ground by a wind-catching designed wing parachute that is attached to a harness, which you are strapped into. Good. That sounds great. Yeah, once you're in there and you launch and get off the ground, you can glide for hours um, and travel extreme distances. My brother has uh, gone from Colorado into Wyoming and almost across the entire state of Wyoming. So it's pretty cool. Uh, in one time, in, in one, one go. Flight. That that seems like you just have a plane at that point. No, it was a long flight. It was like I think it was like almost twelve hours. There's no engine on this thing? Nope. You just ride thermals and glide, yeah. 12 hours. 12 hours in the air. He's done it. That, I think, qualifies as a plane. You bring food, you bring water. Which is why I think the FAA is stepping in. Yeah, well, you know, it's the slowest moving aircraft. All right. But uh, normally, a normal flight, recreationally, is only about one to two hours. Hmm. But, like I said, competitive paragliding flights are even longer and go even higher. And the world championships draw in hundreds of pilots from 57 different countries. Great. And usually it's a race. So you have to hike, like hike and fly, you have to hike up and then fly, and then there's checkpoints you have to reach. And so you're trying to get certain distances and land in certain areas and get to certain areas uh, first. Okay. Which usually you rely on skills, would be able to find thermals, you rely on your hiking speed, you rely on being able to navigate and move faster than most other pilots and hit the spots you need to when the sun is hitting areas to create thermals. Because if you're too slow and it gets too dark, all of a sudden the, the, the air is going to start falling, which means you're going to have more sink. Right. Okay. So it's like hot air balloons. And also, I imagine that in these competitions, those glowing rings appear mid-sky, and they got to sail through, and you get a ding, you get a few coins when you go through, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Good, good. Usually, they'd make them out of, like, smoke, so it's you can still hit the ring and not die. Mm -hmm. Or Sonic shows up, and he just throws one of those trans-dimensional rings out there, and you, you just go through into another world. Well, I don't believe that at all. That seems made up. No, that's fact. Even more fact is the history of paragliding that we're about to jump into. Mm -hmm. Sonic's in it, let me tell you. I'm ready. This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. Well, paragliding is relatively new, Mark. 
Uh-huh. Only dates back to about the 1950s, uh-huh. where a couple claims the invention of the sport was because people began experimenting with parachute technology during World War II. I was about to say, because if you had brought up the Romans again, I would have been like, flight wasn't even invented yet. I would have called bullshit on that. This guy always tries to bring the Romans into this. I'm not having it. Well, funnily enough. Oh, uh, no. Started in... What country? Lithuania. Oh, France. (laughs) How does that have anything to do with the Romans? (laughs) I was trying to bait and switch you. Uh-huh, well, you weren't going to get it because I'm not about the Romans today. The sport began when Pierre Lemon, a French parachute inventor, began towing... Part German, too, apparently. Lemon? Pierre Lemon! Is that what I said? That's pretty close. Perfect. We'll play it side by side. Pierre Lemon! We'll just play mine twice. Pierre Lemon! Wow, See? Mark, I sound weirdly like you. Ah, man, no, you sound German. That's what you sound like. Ah, fair, mm-hmm. fair. But you always claim I'm French. Hmm? Who says that? You do. Are you French? No. Sound pretty defensive. Oui, oui. Hmm. <clears throat> Anyways, these canopies were round. Like in Mario Kart! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes you got a parasol. You got a parasol or a big flower. You think it started with the flower shape and then... Expanded? Yeah, it started with Mario Kart, yeah. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Mario Kart was around in the 1950s. Uh-huh. But an American inventor, Demina Jalbert... Jalbert. Probably Yalbert. Yalbert. Created the Ram Air Inflated Flexible Wing, also known as the Jalbert Parafoil in the early 1960s. All right. That wing is perhaps the closest to modern-day paragliding in both shape and technology. Mm. Now, Mark. Yes. You almost became an engineer. Almost, yes. Almost. Explain to to the world, as with your awesome imaginary engineering degree you almost had that wasn't in aeronautics, uh, how an airfoil works. Okay, an airfoil. I'm guessing that is referring to the shape of the wing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so all flight, most flight, not all flight, most flight is based off of Bernoulli's principle. And to boil that down into really simple terms, it has to do with pressure. More specifically, it has to do with high pressure areas and low pressure areas and maintaining the differential between high and low pressure as you move forward through the air. When you cut air a certain shape, the airfoil, I believe is what the wing is actually called, right? Or the shape. Of that, right? Yeah, the airfoil? Yeah, is that, I don't know what the airfoil is. It's been a while since I... Airfoil. Yeah, yeah, airfoil. Shape, surface, such as an airplane wing, tail, or propeller blade. Basically, what it does is it creates a high-pressure zone above it. It sounds counterintuitive. There's a high-pressure zone above it, and there's a low-pressure zone below it. And... Wait, am I thinking that wrong? Yeah. Reverse. No, I'm... Right! I'm thinking of the diagram. The diagram looks like it has high pressure above. It's actually low pressure above and high. It's because of the speed the air has to travel. Right. Man, this is why I wasn't an engineer at all. <laughs> so it creates low pressure or low pressure above and high pressure below, therefore pushing you up, a.k.a. lift. Because high pressure will push towards the lower pressure area to create... A balance of the air. Speed! High speed flowing air. That's what it's high speed above 
it's low speed air below, and that's directly proportional to the pressure. Yes, because it because yes. if you think about a mo two molecules of air that are like next to each other, mm. they want to meet at the end point at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so in order to do that, the airfoil is created. It basically splits that. This is just theoretical. This isn't actually completely scientific. But the, the air molecule here that goes above and the air molecule here go to the bottom want to meet at the same time. So the bottom of the airfoil is more flat, so it has a straight line, whereas the top is curved. So it has to move quicker across the top to meet that same air molecule below to stay in the same part of air, so to speak. Because if you're traveling through it, and that's how it, why it moves faster above as opposed to below. Mm. Therefore creating lift. The second original story is that in 1955, an American pilot named David Barish invented the sport with the creation of a more stable and lighter parachute called the Vortex Ring, mm. which looked a bit like a four-leaf clover. Uh -huh. Like a flower. I think it started with a flower shape and then... Yeah, it started with Mario Kart, yeah. Then in 1964, he improved his design and created the sail wing, a parachute that resembles an elongated shape, much like modern paragliding canopies today. Yes. So after its invention in the 1960s, the sport of paragliding took off slowly for the next couple of decades, spreading to Switzerland and other European countries where mountain climbers started using it as an alternative to rappelling down the mountain, a.k.a. base jumping. Mm -hmm. In 1989, the first World Paragliding Championship took place in Austria and has taken place every other year since. And today, there's several paragliding competitions all over the world. There's more than several anymore. They're, they're popping up more and more and more. The funny thing is my brother actually went out to the Swiss Alps mm -hmm. and he flew there with a bunch of other pro paragliders. Mm -hmm. And the one thing he told me about it is, first of all, Europe Europe is hot. Mm. It's humid. It's hot. That's the main thing. But the other thing he told me, that is in the U.S., American paragliders tend to be in better shape than European paragliders when it comes to hiking. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is most mountains in Switzerland and other areas in Europe have ski lifts that take you to the top of the mountain, regardless of whether there's snow or not, and you just ride that up and then paraglide. Mm-hmm. And it also is advantageous to have more weight as a paraglider because then you can have more speed because you, you're you not getting pulled too much by your chute and you're able to use a bigger chute, which then is be able to navigate and grab thermals a lot better and get greater height and greater climb. Sure. So, baby Mark. Oh, no. Act two. Uh-huh. Why is act two just baby Mark? I don't think that's... Where does the dreams and ambitions and records come in? No, it's coming. It's on. It's coming. Oh, okay. Baby Mark, it's time for you to glide and fly. All right. Okay. First, what do you think you need to fly, Baby Mark? No airplanes allowed. Hot air balloons. Nor balloons. Hot air balloons? No. A lot of feathers. Could work. I'd like to see you try. Look, babies have hollow bones. They're very lightweight. They could fly with pretty much anything. It's true. We could just get you a kite, which is exactly what paragliders do for fun when they're on the ground is they kite their wing. They stand there and they kite it and they jump and then they float real high and then land. It's really fun. Well, that seems silly. It's really fun. It's like it's um, what is it? Have you ever been to it's like a trampoline park, but you're being pulled from above instead of bouncing off something below. Have you ever seen the videos of the people that think they can levitate? Wait, what? 
You ever seen the videos of the people that think they can levitate? No. Well, basically, it's these people that sit cross-legged. I haven't seen a video of this in a very long time because I there's very few people trying it. But it, it dates back to some kind of meditative practice where they believe that if they meditated hard enough, they would be able to levitate. I forget which country of origin it is. But the idea is for what they do in the gym that they, are, they have. They have a bunch of pads and they sit cross-legged. And they sit until they feel happy. And then when they feel happy enough, that's when they know they're getting lighter. And then they smile and they start bouncing. It's still cross-legged. They go boing, boing, boing all around the thing. It looks very fun. I'm not trying to make fun of it too much. I'm making fun of it a little bit because it is very silly. But at the same time, they're enjoying themselves and they feel very, very happy. So I imagine that me, as a bouncing baby boy, would float like a butterfly. I feel like you'd take off and have a fantastic time. Yes. I had weird dreams where I thought I could, I had these dreams a lot when I was growing up and uh, I haven't had one since like high school, mm -hmm. but where I thought I could literally like swim through the air. Uh -huh. And so like I'd climb the tree and in my dream, I'd be above my friends and I'd be like, look guys, Woo, no hands, no feet, but I wouldn't be attached to anything. I'd just be like floating in the air out uh, above the driveway and stuff. I've had dreams like that. Yeah. I've had dreams where it's like I jump and then I just like go above the tree chops and start drifting. But this is where I know that like childhood brain has like a limitation of knowledge because every time I would go up, it'd be like the fog of war past the certain line of trees. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know anything out there. So I was like, I'm going into the darkness. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd wake up. Well, now we can live your dreams. You can explore beyond the darkness. Mm. Since you're going to be sailing thousands of feet in above the ground, there's quite a lot of equipment you're going to need, mm -hmm. and you're going to need to make it. First of all, clothing for appropriate weather. You can ask your mother for this, because she, she knows. Why does she know? She'd bundle you up in wintertime. What do you say my mom knows about cold weather? What are you assuming? Hey, you went skiing. Yeah, like twice. We lived in Ohio. It got cold and snowy. Yeah, it doesn't mean my mom knows a thing about cold. How dare you assume? I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah, you to you. Uh, mom applier, I apologize uh, right, for good. assuming, good. Um, but I'm not going to apologize to Mark. Okay. So you need to dress warmly because at higher altitudes, it's colder because the air is thinner. Okay. And then you got to have your boots because you'll be landing sometimes on rough terrain. Usually a lot of, a lot of paragliders will use like um, trail running shoes because they work really well like hiking boots. They have that support and that grip, but at the same time, they allow the mobility of being able to run because you will need to run, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're racing. Okay. Much like rock climbing, got to protect that noggin. Got to protect that brain. Because, you know, you could land and fall over and hit your head on a rock. You can hit it the side of a cliff face. Million things can happen. Mm -hmm. Your chute could come off and you could hit get in, hit in the head with a, the, one of the strings, get whipped or something. And then uh, maybe you could get hit by a plane. You know, maybe it could happen. You got to have your harness because you got to stay attached to that, uh, that wheel. I don't want to. I've decided this. I don't want to paraglide. Too bad. You're, you're strapped in. No, I don't want to. I have not been convinced one second of this entire experience that paragliding is for me. I don't want it. I don't like it. Seems dangerous. Seems difficult. Seems cold. Why would I try? All right. Therefore, I'm, I'm abstaining from this one. Here's, here's, here's why you try. Okay. Early days. Of humanity we've dreamed of exploring uh. we've dreamed of flying and seeing things from new heights and new perspectives uh -huh. hence why we invented the airplane but the one thing that happens when you fly in an airplane you're mm. disconnected from nature outside uh. 
Also, you can't get as low and travel to some of these most more remote areas of the world within the mountains, within the navigating areas. You could fly above flocks and flocks of buffalo and soar just above them, riding along as they trail along. You can go above mountains and see the, the views, watch the sunset come out from behind the cliff faces. That would be the sunrise. The sunset behind the mountains. Ah, right, of course. <laughs> you can soar and fly above anything and everything and get a new perspective and see nature in its natural environment, whereas otherwise you are contained within an airplane and hear the sound of an airplane. Everything is silent. You're flying with the birds. In fact, you are using the birds as they circle on thermals to find your own thermals. You're being able to understand the maps and see the terrain better and really explore on your own, fully in control, fully feeling free in the open air. All right. Now, that seems nice. I demand that 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 that. Is how you start to, because Baby Mark wouldn't be so apprehensive if you said it like that. That's lovely. All right. Okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. How many people die? I mean, per year. Uh, about 0.46 per thousand people at risk. So, so one in 2,000 and some change people yeah. die. One out of every 2,000 and some people that paraglide per year die. That's uh, a lot of people. The primary causes of death included major Blood artery force injury. trauma? Let no. Me <laughs> the majority were major artery injuries. Oh. Then it's intracranial hemorrhages. Ah, that thing. And then it's cervical fractures and pneumonia. It is cold. Having oxygen issues and other things can happen, but that's why you have to take every precaution and know what you're doing before you paraglide. There's extensive training that goes into this. But baby Mark, huh? you're you're not going to get to those heights. You're going to be on a kite. I'm going to hold you by a string. You'll be safe the whole time. Okay. All right. Now, we got to pick out the harness that fits you. You got to make sure it's strapped in and keeps you nice and tight. Feels safe. Feels no issue uh, with landing. You know, you can slip in and out of the seat so you can land on your feet. Okay. Sounds good. Now, your wing is arguably the most important part. This is why you're, you're kite. This is the thing that's keeping you in the air. Uh, These are made of polyurethane and or silicon-coated ripstop nylon. Mm -hmm. Incredibly strong and lightweight, but a wing to be able to carry a tandem, which I rode on, weighs like 80 pounds, including all the harnesses and equipment and everything with it. But the wing is made up of a series of cells that inflate with the wind, creating that airfoil. Uh. That's why it's like a kite. You have to get wind to catch the wing and get it above you and then be able to use that to launch off the side. Oh, this isn't what I thought it was. You thought it was hang gliding? Yeah. No, this you is You didn't even say what the difference was. Hang gliding is a fixed wing that's metal and you hold onto a metal rod with a harness and you lay flat behind it and you run and launch off the edge of a cliff face. That's what I was thinking. I bet everyone listening thought that too. No, paragliding is like a parachute. Hence why- the You never said that. Where you were launched off the ground by a wind catching designed wing parachute. I said in the history it was invented by parachuters. You were talking about all this flying and winged things and airfoils. It's still an airfoil. Parachutes don't have wings. They don't have airfoils. These do. Which ones? The paraglider. The way it inflates creates an airfoil to create lift. Oh, I see. Ah, it's got a curved front. Ooh, fascinating. 
I thought you were talking. I thought they were the same thing. No, they're completely oh. different. Oh, oh! Hang gliding is much more dangerous. That's what I was thinking the whole time. I kept thinking of all those nightmare things where like it's tandem and then they forget to strap the other person in and they're like, ah, ah, and then you're going much faster and then you crash into things. When you said the slowest way to think, I was like, how is that slow? It seems very fast. Yeah, the hang glider is much faster. I thought you were talking about hang gliding the entire time. Here, you know what? You know what, Mark? What? I am going to share with you uh -huh. what paragliding is. Uh. And this is literal video of me and my brother tandem paragliding. It's the shot by a drone. You got shot by a drone? So we're we're paragliding. That's a tandem paraglider. My brother's in the back. He's controlling the chute. I'm in the front in front of him. Uh-huh. I have a camera on me. I'm using a, a 360 camera, but it'll zoom in here in a second. This is us coming in for the landing. This is after I went fully upside down on this thing. My brother did a full barrel roll completely vertical. Nice. So we'll come about here and come in for the landing, but... This is paragliding. That's what paragliding looks like. It's a parachute. Huh. And you can see me, little me, kicking my legs out front. Wow. Yep. That's pretty cool. All right, now I understand. Okay, now I get it. That's paragliding. See, even when you said airfoil, I was like, yeah, yeah it's like a, like a plane. Of course, it's like a plane. Aren't there paraglides with, um, like, fans in the back? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's cheating. What do you mean it's cheating? It looks awesome. Uh, it's it's called something else. Motor paragliding. It's got a particular name. Paramotor. That's it. Ah. Uh, yeah. Now that seems my speed. Paramotoring is usually you do this in areas where you don't usually have mountains and launching points or thermals and you can't get a tow launch. But we'll get into launching here in a second. Uh-huh. The other thing you need besides your wing, you got to have a reserve parachute. And this is if the wing fails, something collapses or something happens. This is literally a parachute that will save you in the case of that happens. Uh -huh. I've seen uh, a video of a paraglider get all tangled up in his chute and eventually at the last second is able to throw his reserve chute out and saves his life. Uh -huh. Cell phones are important because once you land, you usually want to be able to call for a ride because you're usually far away from your launch point and far away from your car. And we're talking miles on miles on miles. I see, I see. A variometer, which helps you understand when you're gaining height and finding the location of rising air when the glider starts to descend. Um, it basically is a detector for rising and sinking air. And then there's also an altimeter and your GPS that you'll want to have. Your altimeter is going to tell you your altitude. And then the GPS tells you where you are when you don't have like necessarily Google Maps or something you're able to look at. Uh -huh. Um, in the olden days, I imagine they just had maps. And they just pull out maps and look at the ground and look at find out where they were. Probably. So where to paraglide? In the sky. That's correct. Good job, baby Mark. What? I'm a man. Oh, but good job, man Mark. Thank you. You're the biggest man. So strong. Thank you. But since you can soar high and get, potentially get in the way of aircraft, there's a lot of rules and regulations, which is where the FAA comes in. Okay. So... You can't just find a random field and just take off. You can't just find a random cliff face and jump off it. There's regulations for particular allowable launch sites for paragliding because of the FAA. Okay. And it's usually terrain that creates updrafts and can help keep the, the paraglider in the air. Most times it's mountain ranges. Okay. And then landing sites are not as much regulated. You can land in parking lots, open fields, stuff like that. Okay. So before you can fly, Mark... 
Uh-huh. You have to get training. You have to take classes. You have to get certified. Do I? Yes. I thought it was a free country. Yeah, but you can't just up and drive a car. I'm staring at a $3,942 paramotor full set from AliExpress.com that I could get free delivery on right now. Who's stopping me from sailing off into the sunrise or set, depending on where it's hiding behind the mountains, whenever it gets delivered? Nobody, but if you get caught with it without a license, you will be arrested and in trouble. The FAA will find you. So they just have to not catch me. I'm in the sky. How are they going to get me? You're moving pretty slow. Nah, paramotor. Still very paramotor. slow. Paramotor. Still very slow. Well, what slow. if I put some jet engines? What if I put some rockets on that boy? Then your chute would probably collapse behind you. Okay, what if I do a hang glider with rockets? Could work. What if I make the, the triangle instead of like thing i make it out of like i don't know carbon fiber and i make the wings longer and then i I'll, it, you know, i don't want to be cold i'll put like a some kind of enclosure around me oh yeah yeah like a fuselage yeah a fuselage or something like that fuselage mesolage lozenges you know yeah exactly what if i did that how are they going to catch me what if i put an afterburner on the rockets what if i put a ramjet engine so that when I hit Mach 2, I can scoot up to Mach 5, and what if you just never catch me. Remove the wings and go fully vertical. Yeah, what if I go up instead? Wait, they can't catch me if I go up enough. You just keep going up. Yeah, forget the airfoils, forget the everything except the fuselage. Yeah. More yeah. rockets, and then I just point up, and I'll, I'll, I'll go fight the sun wherever it's hiding. I don't care if it's hiding behind mountains. I'm going to find it. What if I do that? And I look up on AliExpress. What kind of rocket can I deliver? <laughs> All right, rocket. Here we go. Uh, I can get a model rocket for eight bucks. <laughs> That's the best I got. Nice. Just strap a bunch of those to you. It's like if you get enough balloons, you'll fly really high, you know? Okay, all right. Okay, okay. Etsy, Etsy. Perfect. I knew Etsy would have my back. $3,000. I can get a scale... Model of the Saturn V. Okay, never mind. <laughs> E-Rockets! E-Rockets dot org. Biz. Biz org. Dot, dot biz org. Yeah. Oh, awesome. This photo was submitted by Rod Borget. Rod Borget. Are people about to get arrested because you found this? This seems like an AI photo, but I, I believe it's real. But it's just like he's holding a big red rocket that says Tethys on it. T E T H Y S. I don't know what that means. <laughs> ah, skill level pro. That's me. Yeah. They know. They heard I was coming. Well, Mark. Yeah. If you do decide you want to paraglide, say you, maybe you don't get your license. You get. You just want to go for a joyride. Just hop on with a like I did with a tandem. Okay. You still have to know how to launch. And most of that is just listen to the what the hell the expert behind you is telling you to do. Okay. That's literally what my brother said. He's like, just do what I say and we'll be okay. <laughs> but there are two forms of launching, and I have done both of these. Um, mostly my brother launched them. There's the forward launch. Well, there's three forms. I didn't do the third one because we didn't need it. But I technically was that for my brother when he was kiting. But that's a different story. Okay. Uh, the forward launch uh, is when you have lower wind speeds. You're both facing forward, and you just start running forward. Your glider just catches the wind, and you just keep running forward and jump. Like a kite. Yeah. Well, you don't really jump. You run until a, the wing pulls you up. 
because mm. you just run off because you usually are running down a really steep slope. Then there's the reverse launch. We did this in high winds. In fact, my brother laughed because he's like, no, you did great. I fell down. I was making sure that the, the wings stood up, but you, I stood there strong. I didn't trip over him, and he was really happy about that. So That's good. That's good. And that's what happens when you're launching in high winds because you have to face the chute and try and control it, make sure you have it to where you're not getting caught and pulled the wrong direction and slammed into the rock face behind you or off a building, which has happened to my brother. He landed on his back and broke his back, but that's a different story. He blamed himself for that because of weather conditions, and he st- chose to do it when he was tired. A whole different thing. Mm. Um, he's fine, by the way. Uh, he's competing competitively. Uh-huh. And then there's your tow launch, and this is usually where, what you see a lot of like boats or trucks or vehicles that pull you into the air, and then you release, and then you glide. Okay. I did this with my brother by grabbing him and running after we landed. <laughs> oh, all right. So that was our tow launch. Once you're in the air, there are controls, which I actually got to do. My brother gave me the controls in the air when we were at about 10,000 feet. But you're not licensed. It's part of training. He still had the ability to take them back and hold them. Okay. All right. So the brakes, which is all that I was using, is used to be able to turn. It's your steering. So you can brake on the right side and you'll bank and turn right. Break on the left side, you'll turn and turn left because it slows down that edge of the paraglider, edge of the wing. Okay. When you're by yourself, I don't know if they have these four tandems, but my brother didn't talk about it. There's a speed bar that's attached to the front of the foil so that you can push on it and it tightens the front of the foil to make you go faster. Mm. And then the other way you steer is just by shifting your weight. Okay. In order for us to go upside down like we did, we had to swing and get momentum. So my brother would break one side, break the other, and... Woo! Full barrel roll. And by that, I mean I was literally vertically upside down with the G-forces with the parachute closer to the ground than I was. Oh, sounds good. It was fun, uh, but also I got motion sick. Yeah, I bet. And then it's the landing, Mark. It's just like landing a plane. Uh-huh. You got to come on approach. Okay. You got to descend. You know, you got to find your way down. Yep. And then at the end, because you're landing on your feet, you want to slow down and you do what is called a flare. Where you pull your mm. brakes, it slows you and pulls you up. It's like lifting the nose of an airplane. Yeah. And then you land and you run. Uh. Because if you don't run, you just fall to the ground. Which on my first landing, I fell. and But the rest of them, I landed on my feet. Good. But it is an experience. It was so much fun. All of my brother's friends are paragliding friends, which was really cool. Uh, being able to hear them talk shop about different wings and how to look for thermals and the different paths they took. And talking about funny stories about people forgetting their oxygen and then landing and then they're just sucking on oxygen, being like, oh, oh, because they were at altitude for too long. How do you forget your oxygen? Because it comes in a little bottle, all right? So it's a smaller smaller container. Uh huh. You just didn't pack it or you didn't think about it and you ended up going higher than you thought. Um, And I believe oxygen is required um, when you go over 15,000 feet. Yeah, I would imagine so because I just watched a video recently of um, of people going into a hyperbaric chamber, I guess a hypobaric chamber, um, but it's like, and they were simulating the kind of altitude that they would need to be at. Um, they were comparing like uh, the Sherpas who go up to Everest to everyone else who needs to be acclimated and it's like, yeah, you start to pass out a lot sooner than you think you would. 10,000 feet. 
mm-hmm. is recommended to have supplementary op- oxygen. Great. Above 35,000 feet is when you need 100% oxygen. Mm, good. Which is why on an airplane, they're pressurized and you have oxygen. Yes. I, I highly recommend it. It was it was really cool being able to to fly. Um, my brother apparently is was world ranked in paragliding, hike and fly cool. competitions. Right. And where he lives, uh, a lot of people say he's one of one of the better flyers out there. And um, a paraglider is uh, a pilot officially because they are flying um, a aircraft, even if it's slow moving. So my brother's a pilot, and you could be one too if you choose to be. But honestly. Seriously, Mark, I know it might not be of interest to you necessarily, but it is super fun to do. I bet it is. I'm good. (laughs) I don't need to skydive. I have no need to check these things off my bucket list. It seems super fun. I'm good. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, we hopped up uh, uh, off at 12,000 feet on the one that we uh, uh, ended up doing the upside down on, which was funny. My brother was like, hey, Tyler, guess what? We've entered the acro zone. I go... What's that? That's when we go upside down. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm good. It was super fun. So shout out to my brother. Yeah, it's not even that I have a fear of heights. It's I bet it's super fun. And I bet it's super fun. But I've never been the type that's gonna be like, I have to do that. I have to do that once in my life. I'm like, right. I'm good. I can imagine it. I'm all right. Yeah, I mean you you get enough by being inside your airplanes from traveling all this all the time. Exactly. You know? I Mr. get so much. It's Mr. Diamond. I'm not Diamond yet, but I will. I hopefully will be by the end of the year. I don't know what I get. I'm just trying to figure it out. It's kind of obscure and weird, and it's not really clear. But mm. it, oh, it'll be cool when I get it. I, I believe in you and all of your travels. I swear engines are getting louder. Are you, are you just sitting closer to them? I don't know. Usually Comfort Plus is like right right by the engines mm-hmm. and it's like it's it, you know you get like two inches more legroom and then the engines the only place probably that you could get away from the engines is the very back of the plane which i usually don't mind i'm usually right on the wing and i'm not having an issue maybe you're getting put on older aircraft <sighs> no it's, it's just loud oh it's probably because i'm always wearing my noise canceling headphones i am too i have to or else it's but the problem with noise canceling is i often feel like it's it I, it puts pressure in my ear. It's just yeah, like, yeah, just like because there's there actually is more waves pushing in your ears, or they're just canceling the noise. But it's physically still pumping waves in, mm-hmm. hmm. and they cancel themselves out. But I I can feel it's very strange. I don't like it. I would rather just wear ear plugs. Makes sense. Well, audience, that's going to do it for our paragliding primer. I know I didn't talk about the specific competitions and all the stuff that exists. But we talked about the basics of the sport and how you're able to do it. And uh, you can look up and probably find a place or somebody near you that you can tandem paraglide with. I luckily have a family member that is a pro. So uh, maybe you do too. Call up your neighbors. Call up your friends. Call up your uncles, aunts, grandma. See if they paraglide. And you too can feel the freedom of flight. Wow. Anyway. Go check out the merch, store.gmfst.com. Go to the Reddit. I need more jacuzzis. I need to be accosted or else, like Mark said, my ego is going to get too big. I'm no longer going to be the master of balls and holes. I'm going to ascend 10,000 feet above the ground with my balls being able to throw and shoot them into any hole I desire. That sounds really wrong. Let's not <laughs> say that. Um, I'll send 10,000 feet above the ground flying. Hi, 
and mighty, as new royalty, as God, as supreme leader of bows and holes. It's the store.gmfst.com for all your finger needs. And reddit.com slash r slash gmfst. Did I do that right? You sure did. Sweet. Yeah, good job. Bye. Bye.